Blog Talk Radio. Like my husband has a, a large family and they're a really tight knit family. 
And it really helped, I think, um, my mother-in-law to have that support mm-hmm. that I can't imagine not having family, an extended family, mm-hmm. and real family. Because I know we, we kind of redefine family mm-hmm. over time. You know, we have friends that we've known for right. 20, 25 years, or it can be a friend that we've only known five years. Right. But they they come through for you consistently, and you can depend on them. So, of course, those bonds are created, and those people start to feel like family. Right. And I, I do think those relationships are equally important. But I do think we need to be careful in how we're so quick to cut people off in the name of um, our mental health or or, or not, not establishing communication. Right. Or making attempts to actually heal some of these relationships, because mm-hmm. I think some relationships are repairable. Mm-hmm. Some relationships, you know, we sever ties because of miscommunication mm-hmm. or a person was dealing with, with something and you didn't realize it, so you're like, oh, they don't want me around or they don't want to be bothered. But it could the person may have a valid reason for why they are right. isolating themselves. So the key is to ask instead of assuming and attacking. Right, right. Right. Just, just and to pursue healing. I think I think sometimes we we want to move on without dealing with the actual issue. Yeah, sure. So let me just cut them off and move on to the next relationship. But you never dealt dealt with the pain of having a mother who betrayed you That's or right. a father who was absent That's or right. an uncle who molested you. Um, you know, friends that watched you be sexually violated, you know, all these issues that we often deal with and we we remove ourselves from that environment, which is necessary, but you also have to do the work so that you can actually heal. But not everybody knows what to do. Yeah. So what would be some what would be some suggestions? Uh write out oh, I would think well I would suggest write out questions you would like answered by that person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you know, if you feel as though you cannot verbally communicate to them, write a letter mm-hmm. to them mm-hmm. expressing how you feel. Right. You know, and then also um, forgiveness. Yeah. You have to be in a mindset that is this person never – responds the way in which you think he or she should respond, uh-huh. then you have to be at peace with moving forward. Right. Because some people are stuck with the grudge all because they expect somebody to apologize to them. Mm-hmm. But you may never get that apology. You may never get it. Right. Right. So right. you going to stay in this place mm-hmm. while this person living their best life. Right, right. You're stay right here thinking you are older. Which you probably are. You are. But you right. have to be at peace with uh, if this person never apologizes or never assumes accountability mm-hmm. or responsibility for how he or she treated me. Am I, am I free? Am I okay? Am I freeing my mental space to move forward? Right. Because right now you're hostage. Mm-hmm. You are by that pain. And also I think it's important that, that sometimes that's the danger that we, that we take when we, when we risk confronting that pain. What if I don't get the response mm-hmm. that I need mm-hmm. or the response that I, that I deserve, the response that I think I need, the mm-hmm. response that I want? What if I don't get that? So you you honestly have to be prepared mm-hmm. for not getting it. What if I confront um, the person who caused me pain and they deny it? Yeah. Sometimes that's like being re-victimized right. because now you're you're trying to tell me that what I experienced really didn't happen. Mm-hmm. So now I'm angry not just because it happened to me, but now you're denying that you even violated me right. or that you caused me this great pain. Right. So we, I mean, I think that's why we have to have a healthy support system to help guide you through that process. That way you don't become re-traumatized by the outcome of confronting someone or confronting that pain. That and holding a grudge. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. You know, do you know people still holding grudge since high school? Yeah. 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 Since high school. Yeah. But healing is hard work. I, I can, like I said, if some people don't know yeah. how to 
Some yes. people don't want to mm-hmm. because it's, it's taking them out of their comfort zone. Right. Some people are tired of feeling and and mm-hmm. ready to take initiative, so they find ways to push through what they're feeling. But some people simply don't know how to. Right. So maybe we can discuss, like I just discussed a few things, but maybe we can do a segment on things you can do to heal and whatever. Right. Um, dealing with whatever issue. Mm-hmm. You know, it's because it's work, guys. It is. It is hard work. And and when it comes to painful experiences, especially if it's something decades old or something from your childhood or something that was completely out of your control, sometimes we can get comfortable in that pain that we we think we have no other option but to live with it. Or the way that I feel, I'll just have to feel this way for the rest of my life. Because, mm-hmm. of course, through, you know, ten after dealing with something for 10 or 20 years, you find ways to cope. That's true. And those ways, those ways may not necessarily be healthy, but it's what works for you. You're able to get up every day. You're able to go to work. You know, you're, you're able to maintain some sense of normalcy. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like why disrupt? The 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 lifestyle that I created in coping, why disrupt that to try to attempt to heal? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's definitely hard work. Definitely. Hard yeah, work. yeah, and it's ongoing. It is, and and I and I say that a lot of times when I speak of healing to people because I'm dealing with the infant loss community. A lot of times, families are resistant to healing because there's this perception that moving on and I'll forget the experience that I had. And when, when we deal with little babies, it's a fight to make sure that the world acknowledges that our babies existed. So there's this resistance to move on because I want to make sure that no one forgets. So if I sit in my pain, we'll make sure that no one forgets because you'll always remember that I'm in pain. So one of the, the advantages I feel to healing is that it, it it is a lifelong journey. You don't just wake up one day and you're healed. You don't just, you know, have this one occurrence that changes your life and you live happily ever after. That's not how it is. Healing is a lifelong journey. Piece by piece, day by day, you are constantly healing. Ongoing. ongoing. Yes, it's definitely ongoing. And I think one of the areas that grief sets in is when it comes to planning, Mm. family planning, which is why this is an important discussion that we're going to have tonight with Kevin Thomas, who has over 20 years of experience with and us. I really need to hear this. Yes, but yeah. I've been sitting on this. Oh my God, I have family. We we've dealt with both sides of the coin. I've had family members to pass away and not make um, proper preparations, and it's 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 grieving, it's painful, and it's expensive. When you, it's so you really leave a huge burden to your family when you don't prepare. And I've also had family members who made the proper preparations. So now when they pass away, you can, you can, you can truly grieve the loss of your loved one. And you're not around here fighting with family members, going to court. So it's so important to prepare, you know, and it's a difficult conversation. I understand no one wants to talk about death. There's this myth that if I talk about it, I'll die. No, that's not the case. It's the responsible thing to do. If you love your family, they deserve for you to make the proper preparations. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, Kevin Thomas is going to join us so that he can help walk us through proper planning. So you're tuned in to the Good Grief Girl Show, and we'll be back right after this break.
Hello, how are we doing? How are we doing? Hey, Kevin. All... Well, hello there, yes, young lady. Can you hear me pretty good? Yes, we can hear you. Okay, okay. Thank I just wanted to make sure I had to come. Yeah, I had to come into my basement to make sure I had some quiet time, but I am excited to be a part of your show this evening. So thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Kevin Thomas of Kevin Thomas Financial Services joining us. That is correct. (laughs) You got to get the clapping. Yes, I do need a clap. But tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, awesome. I've been in the insurance industry since 1996. I've worked with some huge insurance companies. Uh, That was on the health insurance side. And then in the year Mm -hmm. 2000, I became a licensed insurance agent uh, for the state of Florida and Georgia. And currently, I'm what's called an insurance broker. So I represent about 30 different insurance companies. So when I'm able to sit in front of my clients, I'm able to Mm -hmm. truly do the due diligence for them. Uh, to make sure I have the best option for them. Um, I've also been married for 20 years to my lovely wife, Tasha, and we have three wonderful sons that I'm very proud of. And, you know, for me, you know, this is a part of my legacy, and this is a part of what I'm trying to create for my boys, you know, once, you know, I've departed the scene so that they can inherit something, which kind of goes in alignment with what we're going to be discussing this evening, Uh, whether it's peace Mm -hmm. of mind, whether it's, uh, legacy, whether it's, you know, protection. So all those things are sort of, you know, rolled up into one. I don't know if people actually understand the importance or I'll say how robust and the advantages that, you know, that, that they can actually leave their family if we actually just took the time. And I think a lot of times we lack, one, the knowledge, mm-hmm. and also that causes us to not have the confidence to make a lot of those decisions. So, Kevin, what are some of the components of, like, healthy financial plans? Is it well, just a life insurance policy, or should it include a will and all of those different things? Well, well, you know, it depends on the individual. It depends on the needs of the individual. It depends on the finances of the individual. It, depend, it depends on how well are they trying to create a plan for those that they're leaving behind. But when we talk about life insurance, that's the core of any type of financial mm-hmm. plan. So before you get into stocks, bonds, mutual funds, annuities, et cetera, et cetera, there has to be a foundation put in place, and that begins with life insurance. Now, the reality mm-hmm. is everyone, everyone does not need life insurance. You know, if you have the mm-hmm. proper finances, if you have the proper savings, the proper retirement funds set aside, you don't necessarily need life insurance because, the, the pure cost is around seven to $8,000 if we're just talking about that cost. But now if we're talking about mm-hmm. wealth building, if we're talking about creating a legacy, if we're talking about truly leaving an inheritance for the next generation, well, then that's where life insurance can be pretty critical because, number one, this is what people have to understand. Regardless of the amount of life insurance that's left for an individual, whether it's $10,000 or $10 million, when that money pays out, it's taxed free to that individual. That's critical. Okay? So no one has the dibs on, hey, you owe us 40% of that money or 20%. No, 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 no. It's tax-free. All right? Really? So now, that's the basics. Yeah, that's the basics. Now, before we can talk about uh, financial planning and, and all those different things, we have to first talk about creating budgets. And this is where there's a truly a disconnect in terms of how people view insurance how people view retiring and having a proper plan in place because most Americans don't live off of a budget. They, they have no clue right. what a budget is. And so before I, you can, I'm sorry. I say I, I have it over here. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and I appreciate your honesty, but before we can talk about retirement planning and assets allocation and savings accounts, we have to first start with budgeting, creating a budget for yourself. Um, and then understanding how to become disciplined with that because once you know how to budget, now that translates to now I have a savings account, and then that translates to now I have additional income that I can invest. So it's more than just life insurance by itself. Uh, Life insurance is attached to so many different things, okay? Now, 
when we talk about understanding life insurance. No, there's a ton of information floating around. People understand what life insurance is. You know, they heard stories from when they were kids and the life insurance agent would come to their grandparents' home or their parents' home and collect the money um, even as a little kid. You know what that is. The reality is, is it a priority for you? That That's the reality. Mm-hmm. So right. when, when you begin to peel back the layers of why isn't it a priority? Well, maybe it's getting the latest phone. Maybe it's having the highest fashion. Maybe it's having the latest car. So we have to shift how we view things in terms of a priority. And and then from there, mm-hmm. then we can get into, well, what's necessary for this family versus another family, um, how to truly put together a plan based around your budget and what you're trying to create for your family. So there, there are a couple of different levels to trying to get the right plan in place. But first it begins with budget and, and then understand, hey, why do I need this? Because, see, I'm not a salesperson. You know, I've been doing this now for mm-hmm. 20 years. And my my best clients are those in which we sit down together, and based on what your needs are, and I'm listening to those concerns, now we can design a plan and a budget based around that, not based on what I think you should have. Because, again, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be paying the premium. So it's catered specifically for each individual. How do I determine my needs? Is it if I have have assets, if I have um, dependents? Who mm-hmm. actually, who who actually would be the ideal client? Well, anybody that's so walking single, and breathing. Would, okay. What do you think? Anyone alive? Yeah, see, mm-hmm. yeah. See, here's how we look at it. Okay, let's let's use a family, husband and wife with three kids. Okay, um, they're they're still paying on a mortgage. They are young kids in a household. At that time, that's when you need the most life insurance in that household. Why? Because what life insurance truly is, is a replacement of income, okay? So you need the greatest amount of life insurance while those kids are still young. Now, as they get older, as you pay off that mortgage, as you accumulate real assets and you eliminate debt, now the need for life insurance isn't as great as when, you know, you have a household full of kids and you're younger. Because, see, real assets begin to replace what you're purchasing life insurance for, all right? Now, let's use an example of somebody who's single. I don't have any kids, and I'm renting, okay? You're not going to need as much life insurance as that family model, but it's still important to be responsible because we're all going to leave this earth. And right. we all got to understand that there's a, there's a debt that would have to be paid, you know, for burial expenses. So maybe you're not going to need as much, but you still have something in place for that particular need. Another example is, hey, I could be that same person, and let's say I'm in an organization, a sorority, a fraternity. Okay, I may want to leave some money to that organization and create an endowment. Mm-hmm. I, wouldn't, I may want to use mm-hmm. and leave some money to, you know, my university as an endowment. Shout out to FAMU. So with that yeah. being said, you can, you can, yeah, you can create so many different ways of how to utilize life insurance. It's not just for death. You know, there are so many different mm. options that you do have available. Wow. That's important information. I actually didn't realize, me personally, I didn't think about that. Because generally, when I think about life insurance, I I focus on covering the cost of a funeral, of a burial, not right. realizing that it is an opportunity to leave an inheritance to your family or, like you said, those other organizations. Sure. I looked at this. Right. Yeah. And and I and I can recall even when I was younger as a single person, I didn't think it was important. I don't think I became concerned about um insurance until I got got a family of my own. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, that is correct. That is correct. But more importantly, your parents I'm sure they carry some type of policy on you because they understood the need for it. Yes. So actually, that, that, mm-hmm. that brings up a good point. So who is responsible? So if you do not have coverage, or if you do, if you can tell us both sides of the spectrum, who is responsible? Well, the estate essentially is responsible, the estate of that person. Okay, we all have an estate once we pass away, but then essentially it comes down to that immediate family. Because now it becomes an emotional thing. Now it becomes a pride thing. Now it becomes a dignity thing. 
And so we want to make mm-hmm. sure that our loved one is put away correctly. So whether it's by cremation or whether it's, you know, an all-out uh, funeral with all the bells and whistles, you know, it's up to that family. And a lot of times it's based on how much life insurance that particular person had. Now, let's use the other example. If that person is indigent and, you know, they were homeless or uh, there's no immediate family and there are no assets or anything like that, well, then that state, you know, state of Georgia has a fund and an agency that helps with that. Um, so wow. it's actually through the Department of Children's and Family, and then they have, you know, an indigent uh, department that would help with that. Now, mm-hmm. you have to qualify for it, but, again, if there are no resources for that individual, more than likely they'll cover that expense. Wow. But then that, that, that takes away that emotional component that you spoke of, that you kind of diminish the dignity of your family member because now you're dependent upon the state to bury them properly. That's exactly what it is. And, you know, the thing that I've learned in doing this business, more than likely people who are responsible in life are generally responsible in death as well. So Mm. if people generally pay their bills, they're responsible people, they get up every day, uh, take care of the necessities of their home, more than likely they're going to have a life insurance policy. Now, the bigger question would be, you know, is it enough? Is it enough based right. on what that family you know, dynamic is? Because, you know, 40% of Americans don't have any type of life insurance, okay? So that's a huge number in itself. And then there's going to be another percentage added to that who have underfunded, uh, undervalued life insurance policies. So that's why it's important you know, if if I'm single and I had just taken out a life insurance policy, but then a couple of years later I've gotten married, well, then that policy needs to change. If a couple of years after right. that I now have my first child, well, then that policy needs to change again. If I have another child, that policy right. needs to change. It needs to change based on what your circumstances are, okay? Mm. If I'm married and now I'm divorced, that policy needs to change. So it, it's an ongoing effort to make mm-hmm. sure that that policy stays updated and current right. based on whatever's going on in your life at that time. Wow. That's good stuff. I, and, and so how also, what what's the process of making those changes? Is it whoever holds the policy? Should we all have a local insurance agent? How does that process work? What does that look like? Because I'm, I'm, I would imagine a lot of people just don't know who to contact or how do they find out that information. Well, personally, I still feel like you need to purchase a life insurance plan through a local agent, somebody who you can call, somebody who can come to your home or to your place of business. Because that person, mm-hmm. the person, um, to me, interaction is necessary. Because here's where you can ask the questions that are necessary. Here's where you can get all the information that you need. And here's where you can hold that person responsible based on the information that they share with you. Okay? Because mm-hmm. here's what you have to understand. Once that policy is issued by that insurance company, you are now considered the policy owner. That means that you have all the rights and the privileges for whatever that policy is supposed to pay out. Therefore, you you need to make sure that you're aware of what's actually in that policy. Because I've met people in which I've had to change them from one company to another because the first thing they say to me, well, my agent didn't say that, or I didn't know that. See, you have to understand Mm -hmm. there's responsibility on your part as well, okay? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, going back to to the question, you know, the way that life insurance operates, personally, you can you can take out a policy online. That is true. But, again, where is that, that person-to-person interaction? And I just feel like the same way that people say I have a doctor, I have an attorney, it is critical that you have a personal licensed insurance agent. It, it's mm. critical because, right. you know, that ongoing relationship, I mean, think about it like this. You know, this is my 20th year in the business. I have clients who've been with me for my entire career. Wow. And so that, that means a lot to me. These, these people have been with me as long as I've been with my wife. So mm. it, it's important to me. This is my, this is my business. Mm. This is my career. So 
the information that I share with my clients, I'm going to be 100% accurate with it. And then there's also a different type of connection with my client because I don't do this part-time. I don't do this just on the weekends. No, I do this every day. Mm-hmm. So there's a level of seriousness mm-hmm. with the information that I share with my clients. Yeah. So I think it's important to answer your question once again to have a local representative um, that you can you can reach out to locally. And then if you don't feel like you're getting the information from that person, well, inside your policy is always the home office's phone number, and you can contact them directly, and obviously they're going to give you the proper information. Excellent. That's great info. We're going to take a quick break, Kevin. And when we come back, I actually want to get into some of the issues or disparities that you may have encountered with our community, because I know you're an advocate and you're you're a servant of the community. So I know you're plugged in to the needs of, you know, our local residents. So I want to discuss some of the disparities that you may have experienced while serving um, our local community. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll continue this discussion on how you as a listener, as a loved one, can protect the peace of your family. We'll be back. You're listening to the Good Grief Girl Show. We'll be back after this quick break. agent that stopped by the house. But the the business model that you described is the one that our grandparents um, used. Mm -hmm. And I can recall as a child having our 
grand having the insurance agent to stop by our grandparents' house and they'll make their monthly payment. Mm-hmm. They knew each other by name. You know, they knew right. when they were sick. And I actually think that model works. And to your point, we do need to to reevaluate how we see insurance agents. Mm-hmm. That they're not the enemy or they're not out to take our money. That they're actually there to protect us and to to teach us what it is that we need. So some, what are some of the disparities that you've seen in our community when it comes to our perception and how we deal with insurance agents? Well, be, before we begin with the perception of insurance agents, it's basically how people view death. And you can come across a lot of different comments in terms of, oh, well, if I ain't here, it don't matter, it's not my concern, or, I'm not leaving all this mm-hmm. money for somebody else. So there, there's a lot of ignorance mm-hmm. and insensitivity yeah. um, just from the general perspective of how the person view their family and themselves. Um, mm-hmm. Now, when the insurance agent is a part of it, hey, I've had bad experiences, you all are crooks, or, um, mm-hmm. you know, that wasn't the policy, you know, you lied to me. So that's individual to individual because whether it's an insurance agent, you're going to have bad insurance agents, bad doctors, bad attorneys, bad preachers. I mean, the list goes on and on. It's the individual. Um, So that's why when you're meeting someone, and and here's the criteria that I tell people. When you're ready to purchase a life insurance policy or even just get information, because even as an agent, if you just wanted information, then it's my responsibility to give you that information. You don't have to purchase anything through me. You know, my job is to inform you. Now, if you want to go a step further, well, then I'm here to do business with you if you're ready for that. So, but the the first thing is identifying how long has this person been in business, right? We, we have to we have to look at that. Okay, if if they haven't been in business for at least five years, then I would shop a little bit longer until I could get uh, that type of longevity because it's important. Because again, the information that I'm giving to you will help you make this decision that could impact your family. So we need to make yeah. sure that person has been in the business and in the in- industry long enough to truly deliver that information, okay? Um, another thing is whenever you meet with someone, you have to make sure they're able to offer options. You know, whenever someone can only just offer you one option, um, to me that's not good enough because everybody's situation isn't the same. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to educate the client so that they understand the differences between the different types of insurances. And then from there, they can have some type of buy-in and understanding, hey, which may be the best and which I'm trying to accomplish, okay? Um, mm-hmm. when, it comes to, when it comes to information, you know, and again, we're talking about our people, uh, in my opinion, they are informed, but th- there's a huge level from going from being informed to actually beginning a process to make a decision. So we have, to stop being edu- we have to stop being educated fools. Hey, I know everything, but then we're not making the necessary steps to truly have a plan in place for our family. Um, right. Here's how I look at it. Death is going to happen to each of us, and the one thing that's critical whenever somebody passes away is that there has to be a clear plan in place to alleviate some of that anxiety. And that's what insurance, mm-hmm. the proper life insurance can do. Because, you know, your kids are still going to be here. Well, expenses have to be paid. Education has to be paid for. School clothes have to be paid for. Uh, Just living in America has to be paid for. So we have to begin to look at it in terms of I want them to continue to have the lifestyle that I created and that they're accustomed to. And life insurance can clearly do that for a family. Good stuff, Kevin. Um, I have a question. So do you deal strictly with life insurance, or do you also um, have or extend your services with a living will, um, creating a living will as well? Okay, a couple different things. Whenever we're talking about trust, living wills, uh, those are things for an attorney. Uh, When you're talking about a regular will, you can go to Office Max, and they sell uh, pre-copied wills. All you have to do is write in the information that you want. Uh, you don't necessarily have to see an attorney for a regular will. Uh, once you write in the information, you can just get it notarized. Uh, but in terms of the proper structuring of, let's say, for example, 
let's say, for example, I'm a single mom and I have a couple of kids, okay? Mm-hmm. And the father is not in their life and I have life insurance policies on me that will benefit them, okay? Well, if they're under mm-hmm. the age of 18, an insurance company cannot, cannot pay out proceeds to a minor. You know, that money mm-hmm. will have to stay in an interest-bearing account, and then once they reach age 18, then the money can pay out to them directly, all right? So mm-hmm. what you would need to have properly set up is called a trust. So that person passes away, all right? Now those funds are able to go into that trust. Now the person who's over the trust, will be able to make sure the monies are allocated so that the kids can continue to have uh, the necessary things that they need um, as they grow up, okay? Um, No one would be able to go into that trust illegally uh, to steal those assets or anything like that. So whenever you look at celebrities, uh, Whitney Houston, she had a trust, you know, set up for her daughter. But then you have tons of celebrities, they don't have anything. So then those funds Mm -hmm. have to go through probate court, and then they they can be in probate court for years. Uh, with different creditors, different family members are trying to fight over the assets. So uh, a trust is the firmest way to go. Uh, A will is a good way to go. But you also got to remember now, with life insurance, you have a beneficiary. And because you have the beneficiary, those proceeds can only pay out to that beneficiary. Wow. That's very important. So life insurance policies would not go through probate court. No one can fight over those proceeds. If if I'm the beneficiary on that policy and my sibling is not, I don't care how much they complain or they're upset. It does not matter. That loved one, when they filled out the paperwork, they wanted me to have those proceeds and not that other person. Yeah. Wow. Right? I don't think everyone realizes that. I'm glad you brought up that point. That's an important point to clarify so that because I don't I don't think everyone actually realizes that so that's that's important to have and and to one of the points that you made earlier as your life changes your your insurance policies changes but I think your beneficiaries can change also so it's good to make sure that you keep that information updated yeah you're exactly right you know I've seen a lot of different things in this business I've seen a lot of different fights and arguments and uh, you name it, but at the end of the day, it's whose ever name is on that paperwork, that's who's going to receive those proceeds. Hmm. Good stuff. Yeah. So what would be the yeah. first step to, for the person who's at home listening? They have yeah. no insurance. What would be mm-hmm. the first step that they should take? Okay, I've created what I call the three I's. And the three I's are I number one. They first have to get interested. Okay? That's the first thing. So I need to become interested in what's being said uh, to learn more about it. All right? The next thing is I have to get informed. Okay, now, all right, I need the information to pursue this. Okay, what are the different types of life insurance policies? Okay, whole life versus term versus universal life. Okay, I get it. Okay, let's break it down. Okay, now I'm getting educated. And then the third I is I have to get insured. And so with that, there's a process. There's an underwriting process. Uh, There's a process, a budgetary process. Uh, There's a process in understanding, hey, I need to maintain this. So those would be the necessary steps. But it's it's on the individual. That spark Mm -hmm. uh, has to light a flame to say, hey, I am interested. And then from there, you know, get in contact with a professional like myself. And so – we can walk you through the necessary steps, and we can hold you by the hand because this is not a process in which there needs to be fear. It actually should bring about peace. Going back to the title of the program, mm-hmm. it should bring about peace because you only have to discuss this one time. And once right. you discuss it one time and it's put in place, now that worry you never have to think about again. And Good so stuff. that would be one of the hurdles, one of the major hurdles we have to eliminate the excuse-making of saying, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. Well, guess what? If you don't talk right. about it, then your family is going to have to deal with it. Right, because eventually you will deal with it. Yeah. Kevin, can you briefly um, tell us and our listeners the difference between term life and whole life? Okay. Whole life is exactly what it's called. It can last your entire life. 
or with most mm-hmm. insurance companies up to age 120 or age 121. Okay, if you live that long, they'll cut you a check and say continue on with the rest of your life, but we're done with you in this policy. All right, whole life okay. accumulates what's called cash value, and what is cash value? Mm-hmm. It's percentage of the premium that you're paying into the policy that you have the ability to borrow against the death benefit in the policy. So essentially, you're taking a loan against the death benefit um, that's in the policy or the cash value that has accumulated. All right, if you do that, the insurance company would charge you a loan because that's exactly what it is. Uh, so they're charging you a loan percentage along with the amount that you, you know, took out of the policy. Okay. With whole okay. life, you never have to pay, you never have to pay that money back. But if you don't, when you pass away, they'll just deduct the amount that you took out of the policy from the death benefit itself. Okay. It mm-hmm. whole life insurance, the premium never changes. You know, the price that you're paying at age 30 will be the same price at age 80. It never changes. With term insurance, mm-hmm. Term insurance is pure life insurance. It's designed to where it will last a certain time or term. So it could be a 30-year term, a 20-year term, 15-year term. And if you outlive that term, then essentially the cost that you are paying, it begins to go up every year. Normally people don't keep term insurance policies beyond the initial term, okay? It does not accumulate cash value. It's a temporary mm-hmm. type of policy, so it's the exact opposite of whole life. It's more cost-effective because it's a temporary yeah. policy, but it's not, it's not a bad option to have because I give an example, and I'm going to use my, my family as an example. Um, the largest policy that I carry right now is a term policy, and it's a 30-year term mm-hmm. policy. Well, in 30 years, all my kids are going to be grown. In 30 years, mm-hmm. I would be retired. In 30 years, my home would have been paid off. In 30 years, I wouldn't have any debt. I would have real assets. So I don't need to renew mm-hmm. that policy again. Mm-hmm. It, it served its purpose. During the time that mm-hmm. if I would have passed away during that time, then my wife would have had the necessary funds for my kids to continue on with their lifestyle. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's okay. a great term. I've always... I've always struggled kind of like the difference between term and whole life. I've kind of never really been able to differentiate. So I know I have term life right now, but I've always heard that whole life is better, but it's always been more expensive. That's a misconception. It it truly is. Again, everyone's situation is different. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, Here's how people look at term. Here's the negative of term. Okay. If I still need that same amount of life insurance after that initial term, then it's going to be very costly. Why? Because I'm 30 years older, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe my needs are still the same and I still wanted that same amount of insurance. That's where you can look back and say, wow, I wish I would have had whole life insurance. But mm-hmm. with the amount of premium that you're paying into a whole life policy versus a term, you know, you could have used those additional funds maybe to invest in other areas. You could have used those additional funds to maybe create another type of retirement account or another type of investment strategy. Mm -hmm. So there are Mm -hmm. a lot of different ways of how you go about it. Um, There are term insurance options that have what's called return of premium. So here's what that means. You know, let's say I outlive that 30-year term. Now what do I do? Well, if you had a, a return of premium on it, you can get back all the premiums that you paid into that policy. So, therefore, it wouldn't be money going down the drain. So, the way the insurance industry has changed over the last 10 years, there's some awesome options out there um, to truly help people. Uh, there, are, there are options now where if you were to get sick, uh, you can take money off of the insurance policy. If you were to have a chronic illness, you know, like Parkinson's or Alzheimer's, you can take money off of the policy. Uh, so, th- th- there are a lot of different features that are available now. Uh, it's just a matter of, of being able to sit down and truly understand what those options are. Actually, you brought up a good point about illnesses. That, that's a question that I wanted to ask because I think this sometimes plays into the fear is that do you have to meet certain medical requirements in order to obtain coverage? Are there options? That would be correct. Yeah, that would be correct. I mean, you have to look at it like this insurance underwriters are very conservative. So obviously they want the best candidate 
They want the non-smoker. They want the person who has a great mm-hmm. height-to-weight ratio. They want the person mm-hmm. who's not taking any medication. But the reality is that same person can die the next day. So right. they have a, a, a guideline that they go by. Um, if someone is not in the best of health, let's say they have hypertension, let's say they're overweight, well, there are options available for that person. They're going to be spending a few more dollars extra than, let's say, that so-called healthy person, but there are options available. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are options available for people who've had heart attacks, strokes, uh, diabetes. There are options available. And so originally mm-hmm. when we began to, to have this conversation, I said that I represent about 30 different insurance companies. So I'm able to research to see, hey, if this company is more stringent, let me look for an alternative for my company or for my client, excuse me, uh, where that company may be a little more flexible with their requirements to where I can still offer some type of coverage for my existing client. Right. That's uh, that's good. I'm I'm glad, too. I think that adds some peace and some comfort mm-hmm. in actually making the decision to get insured. Some people think um, they're hoping. Right. They're thinking, oh, I'll never get coverage, yeah. so they never even become or get use your, your first eye, which is be, um, exhibit some type of interest. They just don't exhibit interest yeah. because they're thinking, oh, I'll never get coverage. So I'm glad that you were right. able to clarify that even, you know, in your experience dealing with the different insurance companies, you more than likely will right. be able to help them get some type of coverage. Right. And to your point, it may cost a little more. Yeah, it's going to cost a little more because now it's based on what you can, you know, get approved for. You know, now your health dictates mm-hmm. what that pricing is going to be. But whether the person has AIDS, whether the person uh, was just discharged from the hospital, I'm able to help any and everyone um, based on the mm-hmm. different options that I do have. That's great. So tell us how we can get in contact with you, Kevin, because I think you have, you know, like, yes, you have given us a well. And do you do, like, workshops or anything, anything? I do. You know, where you actually I do. sit down and educate the community? I, I do. I do workshops uh, for churches, for different organizations um, here and in Florida. So I, I normally travel back and forth. Um, any type of interest groups, you know, in which they want their particular clientele to be informed, I'm open to do so. Uh, I normally do about mm-hmm. four or five engagements a year normally uh, to larger groups. Mm-hmm. Um, but normally I meet one-on-one. Or I meet, you know, with a husband and wife, you know, and we sit at the, the kitchen table, the dinner table, and, you know, it's a tough conversation. But once that weight is lifted, you know, then there's an ease there. Um, how I can be reached, uh, I have two different cell numbers. My first one would be 404-606-5636. Mm-hmm. The secondary cell number is 850-519-0789. And then I have a lot of great information on my website, uh, ktfinancials.com. You know, there are a lot of different things that I'm able to help people with, not just life insurance, but retirement planning, um, health insurance, disability options. Um, I offer gold and silver if people are into, you know, that type of market. Uh, So there are a lot of different things that I'm able to actually help people with. Wow. Good to know. That's great to know. Kevin, thank you so much for stopping by the studio and sharing this wealth of information that is absolutely necessary. And, you know, we like to honor how difficult a lot of times these conversations are to have, Mm -hmm. and we try to avoid them, but you can't can't avoid this. We, it's, it's, it's the no, one guarantee no. that we all have. Yeah. If you are breathing today, one day it will stop. Right. And I think it's to your point that responsible adults who are responsible in living are also responsible in death. And I think we all should aspire to be responsible in death, not just to our families, but to the community mm-hmm. itself. I think we, we, we can celebrate life if we don't have to stress about how we're going to pay for a funeral or um, make sure our, our loved ones are buried with dignity. So it's, it's definitely the responsible thing to do, not just for your family, but for your personal legacy. Do you really want to be known as someone who passed away and your family had to spend the next 10 years fighting over your assets? That's not, I don't know if you reach out to GoFundMe. 
Yes, because we have these GoFundMe's that pop up where, and I've been shocked sometimes at some of the people who need assistance. I'm like, wow, I remember how they appeared to be living the lifestyle that they lived when they were alive. And it's like, wow, so you really were irresponsible and didn't put some provisions in place to make sure your family didn't have to set up a GoFundMe account so that they can bury you. So it's definitely the responsible thing to do. And I encourage our our listeners to reach out to Kevin. He is um, here in Atlanta, but as he stated, he is also in Florida. He goes back and forth. And if possible, do we can put you in contact with whatever your local area is. I, I think we should get back to the model, the business model that he described, where we have the insurance agent who comes over to our house, sits at the dinner table, they know us by name, and I think they're mm-hmm. at a, in a better place to gauge what our needs are when we can have that type right. of relationship. So that's important. That is correct. Thank you so much, that is Kevin. Correct. Thank you so much. Awesome. Well, thank thank you for having me. I had a great time, and I appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you, and you'll definitely hear from me and my family for sure. Thank you. Do we have time where I can share one story, where I can share one insurance story? Do we have enough time? Oh, yeah. Okay. I want to share this with you all because is it Okay. Yes, go ahead. You you're fine. Okay, I I know that you all created this group um, to to better deal with grief and to be able to bridge that gap, so to speak. But I want to share this one story with you all. Uh, in my first month of being in the insurance business, I experienced something that totally changed my life, even to this day. And what happened was this: when I first got into the insurance business, you're young, you're aggressive, you just want to make money. You, you just want to create an income for yourself to be able to take care of your family. And what happened was um, I had a client whose one-year-old child died. They died, mm. you know, after we did the paperwork, they died 10 days later. Mm. And I, I bring up this point because a lot of times people talk about, hey, why do we need insurance on kids? Because kids do pass away, and there is an expense yeah. attached to them being buried. And so when I dealt with that situation and I learned a lot from that situation, it it created something to me to make sure that no matter the age of the person, no matter the background of the person, no matter the finances of the person, it's my job to educate any and every person that I come in contact with so at least they are aware of what options are available. Who you purchase from, that's left up to you. But any and every one of us, regardless of the age, you know, can leave this earth, and there will be an expense. And funeral homes, and, and, and we could do an entire segment on that on another show, in which you have to understand their business model. They can only make money when somebody passes away. And yeah. so there are things to, to be educated, how to deal with funeral homes, how to deal with funerals. Did you know that you can negotiate the casket calls? Did you know that you didn't have to purchase the casket mm-hmm. through that funeral home? You can go outside if you know. So there are so many different things that I try to get oh, wow. my clients on, you know, so that way that family is prepared. They're prepared. So mm-hmm. I, I appreciate this platform. I appreciate you all allowing to talk about what I do. This is a very serious type of business in which I'm in. But, again, once you plan, then that weight is lifted off your shoulders. Yes, thank you so much for the story, Kevin. Good stuff. Join us next Monday at 8.30 p.m. Be sure to follow us on social media. Join our Facebook group, Good Grief Girl. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at goodgrief underscore girl. And our YouTube channel. channel. Subscribe to our Good Grief Girl channel. Thank you for joining us this evening again and continue to help us as we refrain grief conversations. You've been listening to the Good Grief Girl Show. We'll see you next week here at goodgriefgirl.com next Monday at 8.30 p.m. Good night.